Hey everyone, welcome to Corporate Quitter and Happy New Year. Very, very excited to bring on today's guest because I know all of y'all who were stressed AF last year are going to really benefit from this person. I'm going to benefit from getting to know her, but I know all of you are definitely going to need this. So her name is Laura Von Waldy. She's a certified career and burnout coach. She's a corporate culture consultant and professional speaker. For four years, she's been supporting women in healing burnout, navigating career changes, and expanding workplace leadership skills. Through healing her own burnout, Laura now teaches the tools that powerfully change how do you show up in your career to live a more fulfilling life and reclaim your identity and so as we all know especially in America our lives are just like run on stress like burnout we know it's a problem and yet we like put it on this pedestal like oh if I'm burnt out it means that like I've earned my rest and that I've been productive and like oh good for me but I want you like to tell us why that's a bad thing, but also like before we get into that and we're going to cover how you can get out of burnout and identify if it's just you being stressed or if it's actual the chronic burnout that people think that they're experiencing is like, what's your story? Like, how did you become a corporate quitter and why career burnout specifically as your like topic or forte of choice? Yeah. So first and foremost, I became a corporate quitter because I was burnt out. I went into some very high burnout industries. And I just kept thinking that if I achieved more, if I finally got to the level where the income made sense and the work ethic was right, then all of these things would come together, right? It was kind of that American dream of like, if I could just do more and be more, then I would feel better and I would feel great about myself. And as I strived to achieve those things and got closer and closer to them, I was more and more miserable. And I really realized that I couldn't keep living this way. So I decided to quit and actually go into hospitality because that's what I knew. That's what I spent five years working as a side job. So I thought that's easy. And ironically, that still made my burnout worse because what I learned is (laughs) part of your burnout is from you and who you are. And that is really what I needed to do the deeper work on in order to truly recover. So it took me over two years to recover. And really, I became a burnout coach by happenstance because obviously, as someone who was burnt out, the last thing I wanted to do was talk about burnout. But I found myself drawn over and over again to women who reflected qualities that I had. They wanted to achieve. They wanted to change the world. They wanted to make a real impact and a legacy in their families. And I found that message just so important. And what I wanted to give to them and the gift that I'm still trying to give over and over again is for them to take better care of themselves in the process and have that be a part of the legacy as well. Yeah. And especially as women, we have a tendency to pull from empty cups, right? Like we'll like, oh, we'll go to the gym. We'll take the rest. We'll do the things after the kids are fed, after the husbands and whatever, like the job has been done, like, and then we'll take care of ourselves. But at, at I mean, I'm sure you've realized this too. It's actually the opposite. It's when you start taking care of yourself and start slowing down is when like the magic can happen and that's where things kind of fall in your lap and actually the impact that you're looking for naturally occurs without the push and the the struggle like you would have in what we experience in corporate. But you don't know that until you go through your healing. And that's I frame that as a quitter hangover. There's parts of burnout that there's a recovery process and recovering from the quitter hangover, right? When you quit your job and, and kind of shift gears. But Can you actually tell us a little bit, what's the difference between being stressed out and burnt out? Like there's obviously a difference, right? Or are they the same? Yeah. So I teach a lot about this because I think it's so important. And I honestly think the word burnout has become overused 
And in that way, yep, it definitely in has. that way, we're kind of normalizing it, right? We're like, this is just part of having a job is to be burnt out. And it really isn't. And the two biggest differences between stress and burnout is time and intensity. So if you can look at a timeline and say, here's when I'll be less stressed, right? As soon as I get through the holidays, I know some stress will come off of me. As soon as I finish mm -hmm. this project, I know some stress will come off of me. Then likely you're not in burnout, but you are very stressed. Now, if the intensity is a lot more, so that could look like, for example, stress coming from your job, stress coming from home life, stress coming from your relationship, right? That intensity is going to be more than if you're just simply stressed about your job, right? So that intensity can heighten you to a level of burnout within a shorter time frame. So what you want to look at there is what's the timeline of this stress? If you have no idea when it started and you have no idea when it's going to end, you are going towards burnout. And if the intensity is so great that really you're starting to see apathy, indifference, you're starting to really kind of freeze or shut out some pieces of your life because you just simply can't feel, feel like you can't take any more on, then that's a really intense part of it. And that is also going to lead you into burnout. So there's different stages. And the reason that I always say this is so important is because I've met a lot of career coaches that simply say the answer is to self-care, right? Massages, take a day off, go on a luxury vacation. And those things are fantastic if you're simply stressed out. But once you get into the deeper stages of burnout, those things aren't as impactful anymore. And that's really where we see a lot of people start to get lost, start to quit their job, and start to feel like they really are having an identity crisis and no longer know where to turn. Yeah. And as we saw, I think you and I had talked about the great resignation, which is a huge example of that. I mean, I think we both can see and every, a lot of people can see that the system itself in all these areas of life, education, career, like the system itself is crumbling. But we also saw a mass exodus of people because, again, that system was abusing people's energy. And again, we, there's much like the framing of trauma, right? Everyone has their trauma, right? Generational trauma. They're the trauma breakers. I feel like the com the concept of burnout and that phrase is very similarly being thrown around and it's giving people the reason to, like you had said, quit their jobs when actually that's not really the reason you should be quitting your job. Maybe it's partially, but it shouldn't be the whole reason because it's not a solid foundation to grow a business or start a freelance career or even pivot to another job, right? Because you're just going to replicate the same patterns and behaviors that you had before, correct? Yeah, so the great resignation is like a really good point, right? Because those people absolutely left for a reason. And it felt really empowering. And then what we saw on the opposite side was almost 60% of them, I think that's the percent. It's, it's, it's definitely high like that. They went high. back to work. They went back to the same places or to very similar places because they regretted their decision. And mm -hmm. I think what the lesson in there is, absolutely those patterns will follow you. I found for myself that when I decided to become an entrepreneur, I was like, this will solve all my problems. I'll create my own schedule. <laughs> I'll go on vacation when I want. <laughs> and actually, you're wearing now 10 times more hats than you ever are. So if you were burnt out before, you are definitely going to take those burnout patterns into your business, which is yep. why it's so important to not make a decision solely based on burnout, because it's not going to simply vanish and solve your problems. I know a lot of women who quit their jobs, go get new jobs. And two years later, they're like, I'm still burnt out. How did I get this way? Why am I still here and experiencing this? And it's because it's never really getting healed, right? We're just kind of shuffling it around. 
We're putting it in a container and pretending like it's not there. And that can definitely get you through a small period of time, but it's always going to come back up. You're always going to be stuck in that burnout cycle if it's not truly healed at the end of it. Yeah, and that's why they always say, like, don't leave the job to go to a different job with new players, right? New characters, new tasks to do the same shit all over again. Like, you need to break the pattern, and that starts from, sadly, within, right? Which is the hardest part of this whole thing. But I want to, for the people who are listening who are like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm experiencing burnout. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, can you still be stressed and not experience burnout? Like, is that possible? Or stress is 100% a byproduct of being burnt out? You can... Definitely be stressed. The way that I kind of categorize it is as stages, right? The very, very first stage is stress. And that doesn't mean it leads into the other stages, which are burnout and the intensity of those stages. But it means if you are not taking preventative measures in that place where you're stressed, it will lead you to burnout. So that's kind of a great place to make better decisions. Hey, I don't want to continue feeling like this. I don't see a time frame where it's ending, so how can I set up that time frame? The intensity is too much. How can I take more off my plate and reprioritize so that it doesn't feel like it's coming from every angle? How can I get more support for myself right now so that I don't ever get to those stages of burnout? Do you have any examples that you can share with people? I know you mentioned some stuff before, like take a luxury vacation, like take a bu- bubble bath. But like, are there a couple of tried and true things that you recommend to some people as like, a, hey, if you're like experiencing stress and you're like kind of spinning your gears and you're like, okay, we need to like pump the brakes, especially with like a lot of people in the beginning of the year get super overwhelmed because they're so passionate and excited about their goals. And they end up three weeks in, again, same pattern. They break it because they don't have any foundation set for yeah. it. So- The first thing that I always recommend to people is slow down. And that's the hardest thing you will ever try to implement. (laughs) It's doing it, but it's, you need to do it. It is so hard. Even if you just like literally set a timer for 10 minutes of like, I'm not going to achieve anything in these 10 minutes. I'm not going to sit there on Netflix. I'm just going to take 10 minutes to myself to recenter, to ground, whether that's a breathing exercise, a journal exercise. This is how I see people really effectively heal. And what I see my clients struggle with the most, which is setting aside intentional time for healing itself. So literally set your timer for 10 minutes and do a meditation, do a deep breath, put on some happy music, right? Like whatever that thing is for you, but start to carve out that time. Because what I hate seeing people do is constantly rely on a vacation to recharge them because it's not enough, right? At best, we're, we're allotted to go on a vacation maybe once every other month if we have a really cush job. And it's not simply enough to support us long term. The other thing I fully recommend to do is because we are to-do list lovers in all ways, is to really look at your to-do list and decide what actually has to get done right now as opposed to would feel good to get done right now, which is something I'm always assessing for myself. And then look at what you can delegate to other people. I think so often it's easy to say, I want it done. I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave it on my list instead of asking somebody else, which just feels really vulnerable. But that's a really good way to help start the recovery process, which is I don't actually have to be the one to do this. I can give this over to somebody else, whether that's a coworker at work, whether that's your partner at home, whether that's your brother or sister that can just do some quick Christmas shopping for you. Like, Whatever the thing is, 
Who could I give this to instead of giving it to me? And then yeah. set up boundaries, right? And I think that's something that just really we hard. all struggle with. Yes, <laughs> it's the word that people hate when I say. And I get it because I hate it too. But it can also be really fruitful, which is like, what do I actually need for myself right now? And how can I make that a reality? So don't go setting up every boundary, but maybe just one or two that you know you've already been struggling with. How can you commit to those and stick to those? Yeah, I think the thing with boundaries that can sometimes be hard is because I think there's an innate translation of like, oh, if I create a boundary, there's some sort of like, not violent, but that's how they frame it. There's some sort of violent communication that happens. Like it's me versus you or me versus my boss or me versus my, you know, my boyfriend, like whatever it is versus like you and I versus the problem at hand, which is like making more time for exercise or, hey, let's spend time, let's like watching TV together. Or, hey, can we, you know, I want to stop working at 530. Please don't contact me. At, like all of those things there's a way to communicate that's not violent and that's a way that's like more open and easy versus feeling like it's like a heavy, heavy lift. But the boundary setting thing in conjunction with being stressed and burnout, they're all kind of intertwined. Like once you kind of figure one out, the other ones, the dominoes kind of fall into place a lot easier, it seems. Yeah. And I would say too, the thing with boundaries where I see people misstep so frequently is that they set a boundary to keep people out or things out or... I do that. I used to do that yeah, a lot. Yeah, it's a very defensive boundary. And in return, the person responds defensively. And so it kind of yeah. has nowhere to go but to escalate up. And it does become extremely rife with conflict as opposed to what do you want to let more in? So for my corporate people, a lot of times it's like, okay, you, you want to stop work at 5.30. Why? And a lot of times they're like, because they're taking advantage of me and they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's like, I hear that. And that's probably all very real and true. But also it's because you want to allow more family time in. You want to allow more quality time in with yourself. You want to be able to invest in a hobby that brings you joy and happiness. And when you think about it from those frames, it's like your whole demeanor towards the other person challenging it changes. Because you can see, like, that is so sad that they don't prioritize themselves in that way. And I do. And maybe they'll take something away from this that helps them. So how can I communicate to this them in a way that actually shows them this is possible? That this could feel good and easy? And there's no place that's harder than that than in corporate and in entrepreneurship, right? We're either a slave to our bosses or a slave to our clients. Yeah, agreed. But it, I mean, at least one we get, we feel like we have more of a choice, whereas the other one is more of like obligation. But I do love that frame because it's a more positive spin on addressing the same situation. Like I, I've been in this the past couple months really aggressively trying to put positive spins on things that are either perceived as negative or like could potentially go this way or like whatever the case may be. Like whenever you look at something as like getting more of good stuff or seeing things more positively, like you only create more positivity. So Stress is overall a negative or like not a good thing. So doing something that's good in a positive direction, like it's obviously better. It's probably and you'll probably get better results if you do it that way, too. Yeah. And I would even differ a little bit there, which is that stress can also be a positive thing. That's oh, that's really? why. Wait, yeah, that's why we get so addicted to it. Right. Like we have stress during the holidays, but we actually love spending time with the family. Or we have stress that propels us to go and take really scary actions. It's still stressful. You're still experiencing that reaction within your body. 
but it's ultimately to drive you towards something good. Where it becomes negative is kind of where the mindset and mentalities come in to say you have to do this because X, Y, Z, right? You have to do this because your boss is demanding it. You have to do this because otherwise your client might fire you or be unhappy with you. You have to do this because otherwise you're not worthy enough or word will get out that you are X, Y, and Z, right? That's actually where stress starts to become negative and where we see a lot of people use it to kind of feed that inner worst critic and really take that negative self-talk to another level. Yeah. And it's, again, not to frame for women, but I, we, I feel like deal with the negative self-talk really, really poorly, even worse than men. But I will say for the men out there, they have it worse in the sense of like, they're not societally supported as much as women from an emotional perspective. So it's like, <laughs> we have so much societally to work on. We've got a lot of, 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 we got a lot to work on in terms of like putting this pedestal of burnout, like at like, oh, the pinnacle of success. It's a weird, weird place we're in right now. But so, okay, we talked about how to get out of stress. Now, how can someone get out of burnout? Like, I know you have a whole framework that you do when you work with people one-on-one. Obviously, it's like way more intensive, but like what are like two really easy, simple things that people can do to like acknowledge that they actually have burnout and maybe like do something that would start to change their perspective on the stress and kind of get themselves out of that repeating pattern? Absolutely. So the first thing that I think is so important and I really recommend to everybody is to take an actual inventory of the behaviors that are leading you into burnout. So. The reason that's so important is because once you get to the stage of burnout, a lot of these behaviors and patterns you're no longer seeing anymore. They're just normalized. You're saying they're just who I am, right? Some of these are are probably ingrained for your entire life where you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm just a hard worker. That's just who I am. And those things can be very true and still represent and result in behaviors that are leading you into burnout. So take an inventory. Whether that means you use your 10 minutes a day to sit down and say, where were the three places I could have done better today? I could have said no to taking on an extra project. I could have said, I'm not making dinner tonight. Can the spouse do it? I could have taken my 10 minutes instead of say, I didn't need it. I was fine and keep going, right? So take an inventory. Use those behaviors and patterns as real data to elicit change. The second recommendation I would say is to simplify your priority list. I think a lot of us get really, really stuck on productivity as a measure of self-worth. So we start to lose that natural inability of like, I'm a worthy human being. I'm an awesome human being. Here's why. Instead, it's like, I didn't get enough done on my to-do list today. I'm such a piece of shit. What's wrong with me? And I think when you simplify that to-do list, you have to increase that good self-talk to feel worthy again. When you challenge that to-do list and challenge that productivity, you're naturally going to come back with more positive self-talk. You're going to seek different ways to find that worthiness. So you're now not going to continue to feel like you have to get the to-do list done in order to feel good about yourself. The worthiness conversation, I think, was the hardest thing I've had to deal with since quitting corporate. Like, I mean, I've had, as you know, too, being an entrepreneur, there are so many internal things you have to overcome to not only switch your mindset to that of a corporate employee to that of an employer and actually from corporate to then being kind of a free person who, like, dictates your schedule and stuff like that and manages your stress. But the worthiness conversation of, like, I literally don't have to do any of this stuff and I'm still deserving of – 
love, like unconditional love and money and safety and security and like list all the things that make you feel happy and, and joyous in life. Like your to-do list and checking those things off don't actually account for any of that. You yourself are innately worthy. But until you learn that, like I did, it took me years. I was just over delivering in every area of life and was so burnt out in my relationships, even my spiritual practice. I went to like, I went off the walls in every area of life thinking, oh, if I just worked harder, then finally I'll achieve the things that I want to achieve. And it ends up not actually working out. It ends up actually backfiring. Yeah, I totally agree. And for me, like the place that I see this most prevalent is when you take a day off, an actual day off to like sit on the couch and do nothing. And so many people spend that entire day off just racked in guilt saying, I should be doing this, right? All that self-talk is saying, if you were doing something, you would be worthy of this. You would earn this. You wouldn't feel like this laying on the couch. And the truth is we need to normalize that if you need to lay on the couch all day, it's fine. And getting that to-do list done doesn't make you any more worthy of a human being. But if you're finding that pendulum swing every time you take a day off of like, I'm worthy, I'm not worthy, I'm a terrible human being, then that's a really big indication of, okay, I need some more tools here because now even when I'm resting, I'm not really resting. I'm beating myself up all day. Yeah, and there's this societal, like, unspoken kind of, how would I, yeah, there's just this unspoken word that, like, if you are still working on your goals and you're still kind of setting the foundation, especially I'm I'm 30, so I'm still working on like getting the house and getting married and like all those things, that if you're broke or haven't achieved those things, that you resting is equated to laziness. But if you've achieved those things, that somehow you've, you're allowed to rest, right? You're given permission to rest because it's a luxury that you earned. And that to me is complete bullshit. Yeah. And I think this is actually why we see so many entrepreneurs burn down their business, right? They reach a yeah. level of success that probably income-wise feels really good and also unsustainable because they're constantly looking to do more. They're never finding ways to incorporate sustainability and rest and relaxation and play. That's kind of like a foreign oh my concept. God, play. It's like, it, it's so funny you say that because I, right, we're at the end of the year, so I've been doing a lot of reflecting. And for a while, I, I had a lot of colleagues of mine in the entrepreneurial space who had kind of done bigger and, and they've more made more money than me. Like they have more success with me in certain areas. And for a little while, I was kind of battling with jealousy of like, why them, but not me. And here I am also having this moment of like, wait a minute, they are now saying to me, I boss girl too hard. Like, and now I've got this whole thing that I have to deal with and I don't even want it. And I'm make I'm working twice as hard as I did in corporate and I'm not making that much more because I have to employ employees and do this whole thing. And I have this, ma- and I'm just like, oh my God, like, okay, for one, I'm still growing and I'm still building things. But also like, I basically, I've set the foundation from the beginning to really prioritize play and rest and all these things and make it so that I'm not repeating exactly what I did in corporate. So yes, maybe the success will take longer to get there, but I've established those principles right from the get-go. So we're building on a solid foundation versus like what people had happened, you know, what happened during corporate or the great resignation, people are quitting for the right, you know, for the wrong reasons or building the businesses for the wrong reasons. So talking about that, like how can someone recognize if burnout is the reason they're quitting versus like actually wanting to pursue entrepreneurship and that new challenge? And also like, you know, how can they quit for the right reasons? Maybe that's a better framing. Yeah. I think oftentimes when you're burnt out, this is a very, very difficult place to be. So 
I say that to say, if you are struggling with burnout and you want to quit your job, all the permission to do whatever it is that feels good to you. But what I know for a fact is that if you are making a decision from the place of burnout, you aren't necessarily making an aligned decision, right? You are taking that burnout with you. So if you're not also looking at how burnout is impacting you, that's going to be a big problem that follows you for a number of months or years and really will pop back up for you. So what I would say is to first ask the question, if you were not burnt out, would you quit your job? Because I know so many people that they're like, well, I actually do love my job, but I'm just really burnt out. Okay, well then the answer isn't to quit. The answer is to heal your burnout and set up boundaries to support you going forward. If your answer is, no, I, I don't really like my day-to-day -day job really all that much, I would still want to quit at some point. It was always in the cards, but now I'm just burnt out and it's an accelerant on it. Okay, what do I need to do to make that sustainable, right? This is where I see a lot of entrepreneurs of like, I'm just going to quit and build the business and it's going to be an overnight success because that's obviously <laughs> how it works. It's not. <laughs> and then I see them be like, this is so stressful, right? You're stressed in a different way. You're taking on burnout in a different way. And you don't actually get that alleviation that you're looking for because yeah. now you're underwater in a business as well. So I look at, do you need this job to financially support you while you build the business, right? And maybe you don't. Maybe that's like absolutely awesome. Maybe you want to do what I did, which I call like a little bit of a bridge job, right? Get something that pays the bills, but gives you the space and time you need afterwards in order to support your growth going forward, right? But they're two different questions that require two different solutions to the problem. So first and foremost, get curious about where you're at and start asking those questions to yourself and ask them multiple times, right? Because sometimes, especially if you're in burnout, it'll be like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. I just want to leave. I just can't do this anymore. It's fine. And that's still a place of an unregulated decision that is going to leave you with regret on the opposite end and makes it that much harder to commit to a new business. Yeah. Now, is I'm wondering with burnout and stress, is there an emotional component within it? Because like, I, and the reason why I ask this is because I don't know if you're like in the human design sort of world or anything like that. But like, for example, I know that I, though I don't, I have to let things simmer a little bit, but I make a lot of my decisions based on my emotions or my gut feeling, which some people are like, oh, you shouldn't make decisions on that. And I think it definitely varies from person to person. Some people need to go through the rational brain. Some people need to go through other avenues. But for me, I know what works best for me. And a lot of it is emotionally tied to some extent. So when it comes to stress and burnout, is there an emotional component to it? Or is it more of just getting to know yourself and understanding your triggers and cues? Like what do you have any insight on that? Yeah, I would say both and, right? One of the okay. one of the kind of pillars that I work on with my clients is emotional regulation, which means you're making decisions from a place of deep self-trust as opposed to the roller coaster ride that our emotions are always on, right? You kind mm -hmm. of let that go, you recognize it, you honor it, you go on the journey with it, but it doesn't make the decisions for you, right? That's a component of healing your burnout. But when you're burnt out, you're definitely on the roller coaster ride. Not only is it affecting your emotions, those emotions are impacting your mindset, right? Now you're taking these cues in and you're saying, not only am I burnt out, but that burnout means X, Y, Z. And that means I have to do X, Y, Z about that. And that's where we mm -hmm. start to feel both really stuck in our careers 
and really stuck with the decisions that we have going forward. It no longer feels like I get to choose what feels best to me. It's like, this is the only choice. And that's where we see burnout start to really force people through doors that they aren't aligned for, they don't want to do. So I always say, use those emotions, absolutely recognize them and honor them, but they're not the ones driving the car. They're not the ones making the decisions. And that doesn't mean gut feeling, right? That means actual emotions that you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis. If it's staying with you and you're still thinking about it and you're still simmering on it, I always like to say to balance it with real data, right? If you're, if you're like, I really just don't know, and I come across this with clients all the time, I'm really just not sure. I don't know if this is the right industry for me, if this is the right job for me. I don't know if entrepreneurship is for me. Always go to the data because the data doesn't lie, right? What are your actual skill sets? What are the things you enjoy about your job? What are the things you absolutely hate about it? Because there's always things you absolutely hate about it. And what is your energy like on a day-to-day basis, right? A lot of times my clients are like, well, I hate my job, but I love my coworkers. So I have tons of energy. And I'm like, yes, but you hate your day-to-day job. Like you hate what you actually are doing. That's a problem, right? And sometimes it's the exact opposite. Okay, great. That means you just need a new environment to express those skill sets. But that's where that data can kind of help lead us to making a more clear-minded decision, not that solely based in logic, but that takes that emotional roller coaster out of it and allows you to make an aligned decision from a regulated place. Yeah, I think that's also why I love journaling is because number one, you get to dump your brain and all your emotions in a space where like no one else gets to see. So you could be as like like as ugly as a person as you need to be to get basically the, to exercise the demon, so to speak. <laughs> so you don't spew them on anyone else or other areas of life. But then I always like going back to old journals. Like I will mark them as like between years. So in the beginning of each journal, it's like, okay, this was 2018 through 2019 or this was blah, 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 blah. And I can go back and actually pinpoint and see kind of the data points of like, oh, I really liked this aspect of this job, but these were the problems with this. Or, oh, I really like this component or I don't like this. Or I didn't like with working with these type of people or on this set schedule, but I really liked this. And the more that you can formulate, not only like, your ideal working scenario and the people that you're with and the tasks you're doing, but also like how you like operating as a human being, which again will contribute to the bigger picture of like, how do we manage stress, right? Is it sleeping in and not having an alarm clock? Is it working as a night owl? Is it remote work? Is it in person, like whatever it is? Or is entrepreneurship the actual thing for you? Which for me, looking at old journals, I could see like, oh, you've always had this little bug up your ass of wanting to do more. And everyone always used to tell you you're so ambitious. Like it's almost like a problem. I'm like, well, Obviously, because you were meant to not be in this container, which I know you felt similarly. You were just like, bust me out of here. Like, I'm just ready to run like the rocket and lift off. So I I so appreciate you sharing all that because I think there are some people, oh, I've spoken to a lot of quitters too who have, and they even said it themselves, they've made a poor decision in choosing to quit because of the burnout scenario. Now, I'm wondering, you did, you did share like some things that you would recommend to manage stress and things like that. But is there anything in the new year, like if people want to start this new year fresh, like something that they could implement immediately today? Or I think you, you have a burnout community that you have coming together, like any anything you want to share, um, even like any technology, like AI stuff, there's great tools of it, like anything that you could share for people to do immediately that's super easy and tangible to do. Yeah, so I love that you asked that because I kind of have a love-hate relationship with New Year's which is, I honestly do feel like it's a fresh start. That feels good to me in my body. That feels Mm -hmm. true. 
and also a resolution I have seen so many yeah. people feel so stuck by. So I always recommend to people is like, just identify one boundary and see how you can stick to it, right? And I don't mean that as like a forceful thing, but a playful thing, right? Maybe that's saying no to taking on more work. Okay, what are the hundreds of different ways you could say no without being aggressive about it, without being defensive about it, right? And play with it, right? Maybe it's, okay, I am going to start this new business. I don't know what it is yet. What are the hundreds of new businesses I could start? And just play around with it, right? But get in that playful energy because that's really what I'm feeling so much need for in this particular new year, which is like, we need a levity. It's very heavy right now in the world. It's very heavy when I speak to my clients. It's not simply just coming out of COVID, but I do think it's really intensified now that we're so far removed from COVID. We're going back into that kind of automation, sleepwalking. Okay, we're fine. We just have to get through it. And people remember a time where they were really living and called to brighten their spirits. And so I do think that there's a lot of that happening this new year. So come into it, invite it in, and just see what you can come up with. The second thing that I have felt really called for is more support and community specifically around healing burnout. Yes. Like you said, burnout is considered to be, in some ways, a badge of honor, right? And a normalization of someone who is achieving and doing everything right. So what I think is so important, and I think your quitters will agree with this, is that if you're a corporate quitter or someone healing their burnout, you're actually kind of a rebel in your own right. You're a change maker. You're doing something that is so different, so unique, and honestly requires more support. So I have created a community. It's called the Burnouts Community. And it's really to prevent your stress from going to that burnout level. We're going to implement real tools and real change so that at that stress level, you know exactly how to manage it and set a time frame around it, right? Contain it to where it is so that it doesn't become burnout. And through that process, you'll be supported by other women doing the exact same thing, which I think is- I was going to say, I th- accountability yes. is like a major component of doing these things. It's not just knowing the tools. It's like actually doing them and like, <laughs> like keeping up with them. That's the hardest thing of any sort of change is consistency. And this is where I see so many of my clients fall off. So The burnouts community is a great place to not only get started, but to also maintain, which I think is really key, which is like, you can go and do all of this deep work. And the reality is, is if you're not using it to continue your growth going forward, you're going to backslide. And not Mm -hmm. because you want to, nobody wants to go into burnout, but because they're patterns we need to always be aware of. So we have to kind of keep moving forward. And this is a way to do that really easily and to take care of yourself in a way that doesn't feel like it's putting more on your plate, but adding more to your life, right? You're not only there to learn and to really grow, you're there to implement real changes and form a community that will continue to help you do that. Yeah. Well, for those of you who are, that sounds honestly dope. I probably need a little bit of it. I mean, I'm past the phase of burnout. I'm definitely like, I'm so much better with stress, thankfully, but I can imagine Gabby from three years ago probably would have benefited from something like that because like you, I replicated a lot of my same patterns in my first year in business and it took me my entire second year in business to recuperate. And that's like time as an entrepreneur that you really can't be wasting. So now I'm at my third year. I'm like, great. I replaced my corporate income. Things are good. I'm on a positive upward spiral. Mental health is good. But I'm like, I literally wasted two years 
kind not really but kind of sort of because I didn't recover so like don't do that guys like please (laughs) please manage your burnout and stress ahead of time please but anyway this has been this has been really great I learned so much and I obviously like I love the fact that you're doing this because as we both have said the stress levels and the burnout levels in this country and just in the world with COVID with I mean we have all these wars going on inflation like just life right now is honestly insane like it's gonna be a pivotal moment when people look back in their history books of like oh that time frame lol like it's just it's a very interesting time so we need all the support we can get but one final thing that I want to ask before we wrap up is if you could give advice to your younger self what would that be oh I love this question my advice would be to enjoy the journey more and I think that's something I also see for my clients and high achievers which is We're so focused on the destination of where we're trying to go and where we're trying to get. And the goals are so important that we forget how fun the journey can actually be. We forget all of those things we learn and need to learn in the process of it. So we're actually not enjoying that present moment. We're completely focused on the future. And usually then when we arrive at the destination, we kind of move the goalpost on ourselves. So it's like, okay, on to the next, right? So I am always striving and struggling to constantly implement and stay in the place of, I'm going to enjoy this journey, even in entrepreneurship, even when I'm like, this is a low month, this is not going how I wanted it. I wish there was more. I wish there was this, right? Of staying in and being like, I'm still going to love it because I love what I do. And I love the clients that show up and I'm going to support them and really be there with them because that's where the magic is. Yeah. I, as someone who has had to learn to love the journey, it was play that actually made that possible. And I don't mean play as in like, you know, it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing, but it's like these silly things that you would do as a kid, like you're going to stop and literally like pick a flower because it's pretty or like like the tiniest little things that can make the day so joyful versus you placing so much emphasis on these major moments that really only happen very rarely. And so you're you're better off spending, again, instead of the 365 days waiting for the one day, like you use every day for these little tiny little moments of joy and farts and I don't know, (laughs) silly little, like just stupid. Just the more you laugh and have fun with it, the easier the journey is, honestly. Yeah, I completely agree. And like, one thing I always love to say to people is like, get on a call with me because we always have fun. And I'm like, yeah, I do always have fun on calls. I do always have fun speaking and connecting with people. And I think I'm trying to bring more of that into other areas of my life, which is like, even though inflation is hard, even though these th- other things are weighing on me so heavily, like where can I bring some more of that joy in so that I am more impactful when I do act? And I think that's, mm-hmm so important yeah see it's easier said than done like all the things we talked about but once it kind of clicks into place you're like oh shit this was the secret sauce this was like the pixie dust i was looking for for like literal years i'm like oh i get it but the fun thing is you're like okay i have like 60 years left of life to implement all this like cool let's go frolic and play like let's do it but this has been so great thank you so much for coming on and you know sharing all the, the all you can about stress and burnout for those listening in the show notes we'll have all of laura's details and if you're interested in her burnout community that's available so go ahead and seek her out and ask her questions and sign up for that so thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it and have a great rest of your new year thank you so much this has been amazing and good luck to all you quitters out there i am so excited to see what you do